And there but Luke chapter 2 says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the King. I've got to a place to where every time a baby's born and I see a newborn baby, I think about this. God did that our way. There's a lot of a spiritual connotations to this whole story, but God still did it our way. He gave us a Savior the way we would have anybody else. And Jesus suffered through the same things that we have to suffer through as we grow to be 30 years old, which is how old he was when he started his ministry. But the message from God to the people on the earth was peace and goodwill toward men on the earth. Christmas is one of the few times of the year when a lot of people automatically turn toward this thought of peace. The title this morning is Perfect Peace. What in the world is perfect peace? I doubt very seriously that a one of us could give a personal definition of what perfect peace is. Because not many of us get to exercise perfect peace for very long. Because God says, In this world ye shall have tribulation. And that takes away peace. But take cheer, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. And when we hang on to him, we've been studying about this world and how Satan has disguised himself as the world. And so many people walking around in this world this morning do not understand that when they succumb to the temptations of the world, they're following Satan. That is his way of getting to us. It's a word for another day, but Satan's greatest wish is to be worshipped. We won't worship Satan because even people that have no understanding of exactly who Jesus Christ is know enough about Satan, have heard something about him to where if you told them they were worshiping Satan, they'd deny it. But they are, and they don't know it because they're worshiping things in the world. Even to the extent of in James, James, Jesus' brother, says, when you're friendly, too friendly to the world, you're an enemy of God. The Bible tends for us to
to treat this world out there, this unsaved world. We saw last week where we're supposed to stay away from wicked people. And there are some Christians, John says, who have overcome the evil one. And as I said last week, there are more scriptures that says that Jesus saves us from the world more than he does from hell. And we'll look a little bit at that this morning. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, Isaiah comes right after Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Chapter 26 in the Old Testament, verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What does stayed mean? It means to stand firm. That's the way the word was used when this was written. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stands firm on God and his, his ways and his things. It talks about in John 14, 15, 16th chapter about abiding in Jesus Christ. That's nothing other than having him on your mind when you don't have to have your mind on something else. You think about him all day. You think about your relationship with him. You look at yourself to see just what kind of a relationship do I have with this person called Jesus Christ? How committed I am to him. Because I'm going to tell you something. Salvation and being a believer is not the same for every person. Surely you must have figured that out. A church who tries to make clones out of all its people who show up there doesn't understand Scripture. We look around this room and we have three or four things, as Kevin said, in very much in common. But we have a whole lot more that's not. Amen. We come from everywhere with every kind of background, with every kind of uh, discipline of raising and whatever, with every kind of mamas and daddies, with every kind of sin in our background. And we come to a place where Jesus prayed in the 17th chapter of John that I want all of you to think alike about the things of God like my father and I think. And we get more of that away every day. As we learn, as God deals with us, as he teaches us those things, he knows we doesn't know. We get more and more like each other. Until 
that time when we stand face to face with Jesus Christ and we'll all be thinking alike in that day. There won't be any disagreements in that day. We'll see him like he is and we'll be like him, the scripture says. So what is peace? We're talking about peace. What is peace? A spirit of tranquility and freedom from either inward or outward disturbance. That word disturbance, that's not a very big word. It's not as big a word as explosion or riot or looting. Those are big words. You've got to do a lot of stuff to be described by those words. But this disturbance, this word, can be something really small. And peace is nothing more than to have the, the peace of mind, the tranquility of not having any kind of disturbance in your mind from outside or inside. Can you ever remember being in a place where you couldn't think of something you need to be a little bit upset about? That you couldn't find something to be upset about? People do that, you know. They find things to be, up, to be disturbed about. That's not peace. That's not the perfect peace he's talking about. Because you see, we said last week, he gives us peace and freedom that we might serve him. How many days do we get up with something on our mind and we're unable to really give everything we need to give to Jesus that day because of something that has made us anxious, something we're worried about? You know, I learned I, I wasn't called to preach until I was 60 and really things have changed since, since I became a preacher and I was in church teaching Sunday school ever since I've been a year old. But things change when you're sitting up here and responsible for a group of people to God. And God makes you aware of things in individuals that you never saw before. But you recognize it when you spend a little bit of time with them. And one of the things that I've learned that God has given me the ability to do is to recognize disturbance in other people and how we all live and how we, you know, I told you a while back I, I got hooked on this word persona and I went back and studied it for two or three days and it was a real revelation from God. He put it on my mind. And when I've discovered, I've used the word all my life, but I didn't know for sure what it was. Persona is that view of ourselves that we live in front of other people. And it says in the Bible that when our outside appearance doesn't match our heart, that's where the word hypocrite comes from. We show everybody one thing, but really what's going on is not that at all. And what I've had to learn is the more honest you become before God, 
the more you got to keep your mouth shut because the same thing you're thinking in your mind is the thing that comes out your mouth. And you've got to learn to be honest without making a comment about everything that goes on. Because you see things that you wish weren't like that. But all you can do is keep your mouth shut and pray about it. One of the biggest problems that I have seen with people in dealing with God and prayer and all of that relationship is that they're so concerned about how people they love are acting and they wish that there was some way that they could keep them from doing that. And you pray, but you can't do anything about it. We do that with our own kids. I know. Because I've spent a lot of time praying about mine. You hope they make the right decisions. You hope they become people who, as like it says in Proverbs, won't grow up to shame their mama. But Proverbs says if you don't put a stick on their backside and leave them like you get them, that's all it says, is leave them in their original condition. Because when you get them, they're little sinners. They might be cute and all that stuff and smell like you just wouldn't believe. Ain't nothing smells like a baby. But they're sinners. They're born enemies to God, and you have got to change them. And the Bible teaches us that. Because when God gets us, he's got to change us. And he's got his own way of spanking us. Because he doesn't want us to grow up to shame him. I've seen people who constantly were looking for distractions, things to focus on, other, and to keep from dealing with inner fears and anxieties. People have fears and anxieties that they hide from everybody, but it goes on inside, and that's what God is talking about. He wants to keep us in perfect peace because that's really the only way we can get out and do what we were created to do. And you know what that was. It's good works. God's in the people business. We got to be in the people business. And the worst thing in the world to have to do is get along with other people. But to do his work, we have to deal with people. And to do it like Jesus did it, we have to learn to do it a real particular way. And perfect peace probably is the best way in the world we can do it. Anything else is a distraction. I learned when I started sharing Jesus Christ with Mexican people. The Latino mind is different than the American mind. And those people can be offended by one word you use that is not used that way in the United States. I learned you don't even say stupid around Latinos. You don't say that. They will hate you for the rest of their life for even using the word. 
But in order to encourage them to come to Jesus, you have to learn not to offend them. And that's the way you have to do with other people. Even in English, there are what things we can say and things we can do and attitudes we can have that offend people. And the word offend in the 6th chapter of 2 Corinthians in verse 3 is it not offend, be an offense to anybody unless the, the, the whole ministry of Jesus Christ be blamed. So the commandment from God is not to offend anybody. Really the only way that I've found we can do that is to treat everybody like they're better than you are. I had a fellow tell me, so that's the craziest thing I ever heard of. I said, well, I can imagine you would think that knowing how you deal with other people. But in order to, to draw someone to Jesus, you can't chase them off. And you've got to be so careful in how you do and even how you act when you're not around them because your reputation has something to do with whether people will listen to you or not. We have a problem in the church with people who don't are not convinced that they're forgiven for their sins. Church people, Jesus people, ought to know more than anybody else in the whole world about forgiveness because that's what the whole thing's about. If we, there wasn't such a thing as sin, wouldn't any of us need Jesus Christ? But the fact is, there is sin, and we participate in it, and Jesus is the only way we can get out of this world alive because we're sinners, and we're sinners tomorrow. Even when we know better, we still do it because we live in this body. And this body, this natural man that we still have to contend with is prone to sin. Old sins, things that we think about that happened to us years ago can mess up today unless you are completely convinced that when you ask God to forgive you for that, He did. And not only that, He forgot about it. We don't forget about it. You remember what I did, and I remember what you did. I don't have the power that God has, but God has the power to cut off the remembrance. And you can tap Him on the shoulder and ask Him what I did three days ago, and He doesn't have a clue. That, to me, is a miracle in itself. Amen. But we have got to believe that in order to believe that what happened to us yesterday hasn't messed up our today. So the question comes up. What are we afraid of? What are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? It gets in the way of our relationship with Christ. Our fear will keep us from doing things. And like my granddaddy said, even a turtle doesn't get anywhere that he sticks his neck out. I mean, faith, the whole basis for faith is moving without knowing what's going to happen. 
And when we share Christ with another person, some of them we don't know too well, we don't know what's going to come up. And we're reluctant to do it if we have fears and anxieties. Well, what if they say this? Or what if they feel this way? Or what if they never speak to me again? We got all those what ifs. And perfect peace takes that away from us. You don't have that disturbance. You can walk freely in freedom. Free indeed, the Bible says. Because you're not concerned about that thing. Because you've got perfect peace. Why? Because you trusted in trust in him completely. In Philippians chapter 4, if you'll turn there. We've got two things called peace in the Bible. We've got the peace of God and we've got peace with God. And they're very different. When you have peace with God, it's because you're a born-again believer. You're a believer and you believe in Jesus and that has settled your old sin nature. The sin that you were born with, that you've always had, that wipes that away. And the fact that you were born an enemy to God, now that you have or are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're friends with God. You're not an enemy anymore. That is the peace with God. But there's another one. It's called peace of God. That's the peace that comes from God. And there are conditions that you have to have before you can have that. We said last week, two weeks ago, when Jesus shook, I just see Jesus shaking his head and said, guys, why do I have to keep putting up with you guys? I gave you the power to take demons out of people. I gave you control over Satan. I gave you the power to heal the sick. And you haven't done your part. You knew what you needed to do, but you didn't do it. You took what I've got, and you rested everything on me, but you've got a part that you have to do too. Well, the peace with God comes free. All you've got to do is believe. It doesn't cost you a nickel. But the peace of God has conditions that are required, and you've got to meet those conditions. We saw last week where God sees fasting as body control. And he says you can only go to this extent when dealing with demons and healing and everything else if you have some body control. Because you've got to have more control and more power than that demon is in that other person to order that demon to leave. And the disciples couldn't do it. And that's when he says, I get so frustrated dealing with y'all. I, I give you the start, and then you won't finish it. And that's the same thing with us today. Peace of God is enjoyed by all believers 
who meet its conditions. Let's look at chapter 4 of Philippians and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You can do that if you've got peace and you've got freedom. You can be glad of who you are and that you have this day as an opportunity to do something for some of God's people or some people who aren't God's people. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is getting close. It's getting closer every minute to Jesus coming back. So you are to let your moderation, your body control, what you allow for yourself to do, the results of that is a good reputation. (laughs) You don't do all the things you want to do. You don't hit everybody you want to hit. You don't cuss out everybody you want to cuss. And you don't go out here and enjoy everything you want to enjoy until you got to sleep it off for two or three days. Jesus is close. Be aware of your reputation as to how much you indulge yourself in the world and what the world has to offer. Be anxious or be careful for nothing. Now, I suppose you were raised like I was. Be responsible. Every time you weren't responsible, you got a spanking. I did. Maybe you did. I don't know. But it raises a young one that's pretty responsible about things. But this right here says, don't be anxious for anything. Well, I thought responsibility was worrying about everything. Well, that's what mom and daddy said, but it's not. You don't have to worry about everything. You don't have to worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You got a problem? You worried about it? Well, I just tell you, I don't have the money to pay the bill. It's coming to you next week. Talk to God about it. Did you need to buy the thing to start with? There's all kind of things that we are anxious about. Appearing to be nice people to other people is one of them. And we go to all kind of lengths to try to be considered nice. Nice is not in the Bible. N-I-C-E is not a description in the Bible. We're to be loyal. We're to be truthful. We're to be all kinds of other things but nice is not one of them. But helpful to other people is. We're to help everybody in need and help everybody who's weak. That covers a big, big territory. But everything you might be concerned about, you're to carry it to God. And then leave it there. Some of us pick it up and take it back home with us. That's not the idea here. When you take it to God and dump it in his lap, when you turn around, you ought to have perfect peace about that thing. That's his commandment. And the peace of God, verse 7, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. This peace of God, this description of a peace, 
A particular piece is a miracle. I've got written under it in my Bible, in black bowl gel, miracle. Peace of God is a miracle. And it happens to you and it happens to me. But how do I get it? By taking everything I might be anxious about. And that anxious is not a tough word now, you see. I mean, it can just be a little bit of concern. But if you take everything that you're anxious about to God, you can have the peace of God because he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you as a miracle. It's a miracle. You can't even think about it. You can't understand how much it'll be when you get it. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall guard your hearts. It says keep here, but it means guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus with a miracle. Do you remember in the first chapter of Job when God is bragging to Satan about Job and how good a fellow he is, the most righteous man in the whole world? You remember what Satan says? <laughs> you know why? You built a fence around him. You don't let anything happen to him. Well, I'm telling you this, Job went through a lot of stuff because of God bragging about how, how good a fellow he was. But before then, God had a fence built around him. They call it a hedge. That was their word for a fence. Go back and look up that word if you've got a, a book that's got all the words in the Bible and look and see how many times that hedge is there. I'm telling you something, Christian, God builds a fence around you too. You hear me? He keeps things out of the, your path. It will get you in a time to quit believing in coincidences. Well, it just happened. No, it didn't. It had to get through God's fence or it wouldn't have touched you because you've got a fence built around you. And people think that God won't let anything bad happen to you, but he does. He puts a hole in the fence so something can get through to get to you. Because he feels like you will learn something from that tribulation that you've gotten. Because Jesus learned obedience by tribulation, by suffering the things he suffered. And God allows you to suffer and me too. And so many of us don't believe that, but he does. It's our growing up. It's our spanking. It's our sitting in the corner. It's our taking the TV away from us for three days. That's the way God does that. And he does it with suffering. And he will keep your heart and guard your heart through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, Paul says, whatever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be anything that is praiseworthy, anything that's worth bragging about. 
think on these things. Now it took me a while to get, get across that whole idea right here. That four words, think on these things. But wait a minute, you don't understand. Thoughts are just coming into my mind. I don't know where they come from all along. No, they don't. They mostly come from Satan or from Christ, the Holy Spirit. And your job is to keep the ugly things out of your mind. It says so in the 55th chapter of Psalm. If you keep a dirty thought in your mind, God says, I won't hear your prayers. As long as you're keeping it in there, you've got a dirty thought, you know it's a dirty thought, and you're leaving it in there, don't waste your time praying to me. I won't hear it. It doesn't say I won't answer it. It says I won't even hear it. You know what that means? God never asked us to do anything we weren't capable of doing. I believe that with all my heart. You are capable of doing anything he commands you to do with the power of the Holy Spirit that he placed in you. And that means you have got the power to keep dirty stuff out of your mind. And after using it and exercising that commandment, I found that it's true. Lord, get this thought out of my mind. I know it's dirty and I don't want it in there. And it'll just disappear. You won't think of it again. You're in control of your minds and God says that's part of body control. You've got to keep your mind under control. Don't let it think about things that are not on this list. Think on what? Whatever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, of good report and praiseworthy and things that are virtuous. Be thinking about good things and quit thinking about bad things. Have you ever been through a day when it just seemed like one bad thing right after another was coming into your mind? I have. I don't like it. But I've learned to pray them away. Because when you've got dirty things and nasty things and ugly things in your mind all day long, you're not fit for anything. You can't do good things for God when you're thinking like that. And that's part of Satan's job is to get those dirty things in our mind. In the book of John, a few pages back, just one little verse, I'll read it to you. Chapter 14, in verse 27. Jesus said as he's leaving this earth, Peace I leave with you. My peace. You can remember the peace he had. You go and study those four Gospels and see all the junk that was handed to Jesus and all the sin and aggravation he had to put up with in people around him and trying to introduce this thing called a church to people who never heard of it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives you peace. Don't look for peace in the world. It's not that new car. It's not that new truck. It's not a big old fancy house. It's not a swimming pool in the backyard. It's not all those things that Satan says the world will bring you peace if you'll just spend your money for it. 
Like I said, it makes me mad every time I hear an ad where some lawyer is telling you, call me, you deserve this. No, God says you deserve hell because of your sin. But I'm going to treat you different. In my grace, I'm going to treat you like a, a Christian, a lover of good things. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives it to you, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Never, neither let it be afraid. Wait a minute, man. The last time I got scared, it happened all of a sudden. I didn't even know it was coming, and I was afraid before I could turn around. But what does he say here? Neither let your heart be afraid. Don't let it be afraid. You've got to control your fears even. How do you do that? Well, it has to do with faith and trust in God is what it is. You turn it over to God and you don't worry about it. Simple as that. <laughs> That's the way God treats us. He don't pat you on the back and say, you poor thing. You need to understand about this now. No, 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 no. He just lays it out there. And you either do it or you don't. If you want the peace of God, you better do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You hear that? That miracle that God works on you that gives you the peace of God But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We can't even imagine what God has waiting for you and I. I had a chance last week to see a picture a picture in my mind to imagine someone who's been in heaven a couple of three years. They don't look like you look now. The puffiness in the face from having to deal with illnesses. The wrinkles in the forehead that has to deal with worry and anxiety and fears is not there. And there's a little smile on the face of not having sorrow and tears and troubles. And the voice is the most pleasant voice you'll ever hear. 
of somebody that's been in perfect peace, which is where heaven is for several years. I don't know why God did that to me. I guess it's true. I guess what I saw is real. Seemed to me like it was. But I saw some things that I don't see down here. And I got an idea that's what we're going to be like when we get to be with Jesus. Not like it is here. Not like a problem getting in our face and creating lines that we have to deal with every day. In verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us, unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Our Spirit, our Holy Spirit, inside our, our bodies are revealing the things that God has for us. But there's so much of it we can't even imagine what he's done. We get a little bitty taste and we think, man, the whole thing, the whole program must be awful good. The whole menu that God has got, dessert, got, got laid out for us must be something so special you can't even imagine. But the Spirit is giving us a taste of it. It's telling us, this is what you need to do. You need to keep your mind guarded. You need to think on things like this. If you want to have the peace of God, you can have it. God will give it to you. But you've got a job to do too. And not to be looking for problems. Not to be looking for something to be worried about. Not to be thinking about all kind of bad things. Because God has revealed it to you by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Spirit that is in us, the Holy Spirit of God that has been placed in us, searches everything about God to let us know what it is. Remember what it said? Jesus told about it, describing it. He said, He'll bring to your remembrance everything I've said, Jesus said. All the good stuff. And don't turn there, but 57th verse, 57th chapter of Isaiah and verse 19 says, There is no peace for the wicked. Now let me tell you something, folks. All of this together, when you get out in the world and you see the wicked person, they described it, God described it in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, when we used to be of the bad sort and we followed after our lust and we did what we wanted to and we acted crazy and didn't have any kind of reputation at all. There's no peace in them. They don't have it today. Is it no wonder that they think a fun weekend has to do with drinking so much you got to hug the commode for a week. People think that's fun. They do. People think all kind of things are fun. 
God says, no, they're not. And you don't need to do them. Not if you want peace. You want to be worried all the time, wake up from a three-day drunk. I've been around people like that. They're not right for several days. Because they do wicked things. And we doing wicked things will keep you from having peace. And they're around us every day. But now here's the thing. You, you and I, according to the words I've read to you today, you and I have an opportunity to have perfect peace. To float through life on a cloud and not worry about anything. I've been back and studied the life of Jesus in the four Gospels several times in the last several years. And I've studied him and to see how he handles things. Jesus didn't worry. <laughs> he just didn't. James Bond's got nothing on Jesus. Jesus was the coolest man to ever live. And it didn't matter what kind of problem was ahead of him. He was cool. He could handle anything and knew how to handle anything and did handle anything. And God says, look at him. He's the first member of the church. He's your oldest brother and he's put him there to live this life in front of you so you know how to act. Quit making up things to worry about. Quit making up things to be afraid of. Quit looking forward to things that scare you to death. I had to learn to be scared of light, and my mom and daddy weren't. Knocked my mama down in the hall with a wash pan in her hand. And she's sitting up against the wall laughing because the lightning did. But after lightning strikes seven times in a place no bigger than an acre, you get kind of concerned about that kind of stuff. And it takes a bit of praying with you and Jesus Christ to get you back like mama wants you to be. If the lightning's going to get me, it's going to get me. There's not a blooming thing I can do about it. So why should I worry about it or get scared or run? Us and the way we act is what God is trying to overcome. The natural things we do every day. He says, I want to make you like Jesus. And Jesus wasn't scared of anything except for one thing. The only thing that ever made Jesus cry, the only thing that ever made Jesus concerned, the only thing that ever made him sweat like it was drops of blood was the idea that God, his Father, might be away for him just for a day or two while he was on the cross so he could deal with his sin. The sins of you and I, not his, but ours. And God couldn't be with him. The only thing that scared Jesus out of his old entire life of 33 years before he went on the cross, was the idea that God might turn his face from Jesus for just a little bit. That's the reason he says, keep your mind on something that's worthwhile. Keep your mind on something that's pretty. Keep your mind on something that's pure and honest and just and beautiful. Don't let it be distracted to those ugly things 
that people are all about in this world. Look at Jesus. I sent him, God says, to give you perfect peace. And you can have it. Regardless of what you're facing, you can have it. If you just get a hold of your mind and make it stay where it's supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your concern for us. Thank you for the time that you have spent trying to explain to us how we might be just like your son who was perfect. There's a part that you do and the part that we have to do. Now just give us the strength to do our part. Give us boldness to speak out. Treat us with mercy because you know who we are. Give us a job to do and then go ahead of us and make sure it gets done. Even to the extent that we think we've done it. But Lord, make us careful to give you all the thanks and all the credit and all the praise and the glory for everything that's done in our lives because you tell us in your book we can't do it on our own, period. So Lord, I thank you for being who you are. And not only that, but for thank you for being our God and choosing us to follow after you. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.